Amen. So we are uh, uh, on our worship series. We call it We Worship Every Day. Say that with me. We worship, worship every, day. every day. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Today I'm going to be sharing again about worshiping in the Spirit. Now it is so important, so critical, that our worship is in the Spirit. But uh, I said this to you last week, and I'm going to say it again, that true worship begins, say this with me, say, worship starts in the flesh, starts in the flesh and, ends in the and ends in the Spirit. Well, how do you know? Well, because a lot of times you may not even feel like coming to church. That's your flesh. See, but the Word of God, the Bible says, will help you to discern the difference between spirit and soul and body. Well, as you mature in Christ, you begin to understand, wow, that was nothing but flesh when I wanted to act that way. Or, wow, that was the Spirit of God leading me years ago, and I didn't even really comprehend it fully. But that had to be the Spirit of God leading me out of the darkness. And that's one thing that the Spirit of God is always going to do, is lead you out of a place of darkness and bondage and fear and isolation and depression and poverty and sickness and weakness. Amen. Always. Say always. always. Now the Good Shepherd, if he is going to lead you to a place where you're going to get the, the boogers knocked out of you every Sunday, right? then he's not a very good shepherd, is he? No. Right? No, but a good shepherd leads you beside what? Still waters. Still waters. And he causes you to lie down in green paths. Doesn't that sound nice and cool and relaxing and refreshing? That's where the Spirit of God, that's where the Lord Jesus himself is going to lead us if we will but allow him to. Amen. He knows the way. He is the way. You don't have to find your way. Did you know that sheep don't really have to find their own way. They don't even have to know the way. All they do is keep their eye on the shepherd. They know the voice of the shepherd. And when the voice of the shepherd says, come on, come on, sweet baby sheep, here we go. Come on, we're going this way. Praise the Lord. We just follow that voice. We don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to know where we're going, when we're going, how we're going. Worship starts in the flesh and ends in the spirit. Now, I kind of plagiarized that little statement from a great man of God from the last century. And he said, you know, I always start out when I start praying in tongues, I always start out in the flesh. You know, the Bible says that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, flesh right? So the spirit of God is already resting on the flesh of every man, woman, boy, and girl. Those of us that have welcomed Jesus into our lives, then he begins like fountains of living water flowing from our innermost being. Those that have not yet uh, understood the gospel or welcomed him into their innermost being, he is on them to save them. The Spirit of God is on them to convince them of their need for a Savior and impending doom if they reject salvation. Every man, woman, boy, and girl that has rejected Christ already knows it. They already know it. They know the cost. They know the consequences. And they know the inevitable destiny of those that reject the Lord. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 1 that the Spirit of God has already made himself known to his creation. The Creator has already revealed himself to his creation so that they are without excuse. They already understand him, even his eternal power and Godhead, the Word of God says. 
There, there, there's not a man, woman, boy, or girl that will be able to stand before God and say, you know, I just didn't know none of that stuff. Huh? Not one of us. Well, all of us, the Bible says that every one of us uh, will give an account to the Lord. Now, my job is to help you when you stand up there and give your account to the Lord Jesus on the, day, on the great day of judgment. That you do so with joy. Huh? It'll be a great day for you. It'll be a great day for you. Amen. There'll be no sense of loss. That's my job is to urge you, coach you, lead you, strengthen you, and occasionally correct you. Amen. Yeah. To help you stay on the right path. Right? So that when that day comes, you can give an account of your life on earth with joy. Praise the Lord. We should not dread death. We should not dread judgment. We should not dread, the, dread these things. Huh? If you have a deep sense of foreboding and a dark fear of death and separation, then I would uh, 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 lovingly suggest that you spend some time in your prayer place. Huh? And settle some things with God. Find the scriptures that cover your case. Find the scriptures that talk about those that have heard my word, like John chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus said, it's, it's in John chapter 5. You know, I noticed that in my studies that the, the Jesus and the apostles did not always give them chapter and verse. They just said, you know, the word of God says, and then they quote it. It says somewhere right in there in John 5, that there's, the day is coming. Praise the Lord. That those... Everyone that has heard my word, Jesus said, and believes on him that sent me, has everlasting life. Now, if you have heard Jesus' words, anybody know John 3, 16? For God so loved the world, come on, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So you've heard that. Now, if you believe that the Father sent the Son to save the world, that Jesus says that you have everlasting life. Yeah, but what about everything I did? That's not really into, under discussion here. Do you know there is no longer a sin problem? There is no record of your sin in heaven. There is no discussion of your sin in heaven. Praise God. The Word of God says in the book of Colossians that he has taken the handwriting of the note that was against us and has nailed it to the cross. Even the accusations in the written law are no longer valid in your case because you have accepted grace. That's, right. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. The prison doors are open. What are you still doing in there? Come on. Let's, you're free. Come on. You're free. Don't even grab none of your stuff from that old prison life. Just leave it all behind. There's a whole new world of provision that waits for you. Praise the Lord. If we can but take steps of faith. Say, we worship, we worship. every day. Praise the Lord. So, so worship starts in the flesh and ends in the spirit. Religion starts in the spirit and ends in the flesh. All of the great moves of God throughout history started out a spiritual exercise. And mankind, we have a propensity a doggone hard-headed propensity to take the move of God and turn it into a carnal exercise. Uh, let me look at the law of Moses. It started out getting mankind on the path to salvation. There are some still on earth that insist that we live according to the law of Moses, even though the cloud has moved. 
You know, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, there was a cloud that covered them in the daytime. Do you know why? Do you know why you'd need a cloud out there in the desert in the daytime? Might be 115 degrees out there in the Sinai Peninsula, friend. You'd need a cloud, amen. All right. And that cloud turned into a pillar of fire at night. Do you know why you might need that? Because in the desert at night, it gets cold. There's nothing to hold the heat. That sand radiates all that heat at night, and it becomes extremely cold. And the Word of God said that when the cloud began to move, that the children of Israel had to move with the cloud. Some of us, you know, we were in that place of provision. We were in that place of blessing. We were in that place of anointing. And the cloud began to move. And some of us didn't want to move with the cloud. And what happens to a little sweet sheep out there in the desert, right, with no provision, no cloud in the daytime, no, no warmth at night? Hmm, what's going to happen to that little baby? Hmm, it's not going to be good. There's predators out there. Huh? It's not going to be good. Amen. So stay with the move of God. You can see it in the Word of Faith movement. I mean, the Word of Faith is absolutely legitimate. And, and back in the, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, amen, it was not just a movement, but it was a, an outpouring. And thousands and thousands and thousands of people came out of denominations and, 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 and took the Word of Faith to heart. And it changed lives. It raised the dead. It gave sight to the blind. Right? It, it, it made people who were flat, busted, broke, made them wealthy virtually overnight. Because they began to change the way that they spoke. They began to change the way that they think. You know, friends, and here's the thing. The law of Moses is still in effect. Thou shalt not murder. That's, that's, still, in a, that's still working for us, isn't it? Amen. Yeah. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's still working for us, right? But that's not the pathway to salvation by following the law of Moses any longer. Now, the word of faith is still in effect. If you speak death over your finances, guess what? They's fixing to dry up. Amen. Yeah. But there are some that still think that they need to talk and walk and dress and have church exactly like they did in the 70s because that's the way mom and them did it right that's the way uh, aunt Minnie and uncle fred had church right we're not changing the word of god but you know it's okay to change your methods when the cloud moves because for a season he had them out there in the wilderness and what were they eating manna, manna. they ate manna if they if it were not for the manna what would they have eaten sand baby that's all they had to eat out there amen there's nothing out there and so if we're going to insist that god does the next move exactly like he did the last move we're going to get left behind we're going to get left behind praise the lord you amen who is the good shepherd am i the good shepherd no i'm just an under shepherd with a small s right but the good shepherd is so good aren't you glad he's so good worship starts in the flesh and ends in the spirit religion starts in the spirit and ends in the flesh the ways that we used to worship 30 40 50 years ago they were valid for the day but if we insist that we worship exactly like we did 30 40 50 years ago now some of those songs and hymns i still love them i still enjoy them but I sure want to hear some double bass on them now, right? I want, to, I want to hear some updated sounds with the same words. Do you follow what I'm saying here? 
Believers who desire the deeper things of the Spirit must, bes- must discern between flesh and soul and spirit. I'm going to say it again. I'll try to say it slow if you're, if you're taking notes. Believers who desire the deeper things of the Spirit must discern between flesh and soul and spirit. What does discern mean? It means see into, comprehend, understand. Now, when you have a comprehension of a process, it's more than just information. You have revelation, right? If you've been in a certain business or industry for a long, long time, it no longer is like a science to you. It becomes more of an art because you show up and do what you do, and you can't even really explain how you do everything that you do, but you do it oh so well. Because it's now on a spiritual level. It's no longer just you repeating a process with your mind. Are you following me today? Amen. And you get revelation of the business you're in, John. You don't have to follow a checklist of every single thing you do. There's some stuff you don't even need a recipe for anymore, right? You just understand it. You have a comp- You discern what, what, how much salt needs to be in there. And buddy, you know immediately when you see that tablespoon or teaspoon, buddy, that's too much. And some of these chefs don't even use any of that stuff. They just use pinches and dashes and amen, right? They don't measure all that stuff because they have a, 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 comprehens- a comprehensive understanding. So I'm going to say this again. Believers who desire the deeper things of the Spirit must discern between flesh and soul and spirit. Ignoring the word and the leading of the spirit clouds the believer's ability to discern spiritual things. Ignoring the word and ignoring the leading of the spirit. Is that good for the Christian? No. Why is it so deadly and dangerous for the Christian to ignore the word and to ignore the leading of the spirit? Because we deceive ourselves into thinking we're okay because we used to be okay. Hmm? I'm still going to sing church mom and them went to. Hmm? I'm still singing the same songs mom and them used to sing. Hmm? But maybe the cloud has moved off from what mom and them used to do. The, the word of God and the spirit of God. And friend, you've got to have them both. Because we know people that parse the word of God like a smorgasbord and take out of it what they like and ignore what they don't like. Huh? And if they were listening to the leading of the Holy Ghost, they'd never do that. Because the moment we begin to parse the Word of God for our convenience, hmm, the Spirit of God inside of us will become disturbed. You know, and, and when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, what rested upon him? What came to rest upon him? Does anybody know? A dove. Why would the Bible uh, symbolize... The Holy Ghost with a dove. Why didn't he use a lion? Or a shark? Or a Tyrannosaurus Rex? Huh? Huh? Or a warrior with a big club? 
because a dove can be easily frightened away. Is that right? Actually, let me let me let me restate that just a little bit. <laughs> we were trimming trees at one of my properties, and I'm using a pole saw, and I'm reaching up into the trees and I'm cutting the branches. And I cut this branch, I cut that branch, and I looked in the in the crook of that tree, and there is a dove sitting on a nest. And I cut a branch off about 12 inches from her nest, and she's just looking at me. She didn't even move. <laughs> so, all right, let's undo the whole sermon for this, because, <laughs> gosh. But when it came time for her to move, I just got close enough with the saw, and she moved, and I trimmed the rest of the tree, and then she came back. But I'm like, this little bird has some courage. But you get the idea that, that God could have used an animal that we consider courageous, right, to symbolize the Holy Ghost. I can tell you what, if there was a mountain lion in that tree, right, do you think I'd have had the same result if I'm trimming about 12 inches away from that mountain lion? Probably had a, would have had a different result, huh? For more tapes by Brian Lee, write to P.O. Box 16, Broomfield. Ignoring the word and the leading of the spirit clouds the believer's ability to discern spiritual things. Because we delude ourselves into thinking that we're okay. And in fact, we're migrating further and further away from the spirit and moving closer and closer to the carnal lifestyle. That is so deadly, so dangerous, and so devastating for the Christian. We know people that stopped going to church. They got out from under that spiritual covering. And they got so deceived that their, their lives are virtually unrecognizable. And in their heart, yeah, I believe they probably still love God. But they, they're, no longer on, they're no longer in the destiny that was planned from them for them from the foundation of the world. Are they saved? I really don't know. I wouldn't trade places with them. People that are questioning the Bible. A very famous musician from a very famous uh, church outfit that all you would know if I mentioned the name of the church. Came out publicly on social media and questioned every single thing about Christianity. Hmm? The written word of God. Miracles, the leading of the Holy Ghost. Huh? And he says, Nobody's even talking about this stuff. If they come to my church, I'm gonna talk to <laughs> I'll talk to you about it every Sunday. I mean, we we had we're not afraid of anything that's going on. We don't shy away from any questions. I'm not afraid of science. Amen. I'm not afraid of carbon 14 dating or anything like that. I'm not afraid of dinosaurs. Come on. I'm not afraid of plate tectonics. And, and me and, you know, my family, we talk a lot about how come the Bible says there's miracles and sometimes you don't see it in our church services. Well, first of all, I think you have seen some miracles in our church services. Amen. We've seen a, a, a young lady receive new lungs, a verifiable medical miracle. Uh, we had a, a boy came to church one time, one time, and he had uh, scoliosis, was it? He had a, a brace. He was destined for surgery, a, an infant, a toddler, right? 
He was destined, he had surgery, I think it was on the menu. They were going to have surgery in the next few weeks or something. The next week he was going to have surgery. We prayed for him one time. They went back to the doctor and they said there's absolutely nothing wrong with this boy. And that was five years ago. And he's perfectly healed. I've seen some financial miracles. In my, you know my story, God took over a million dollars of debt off our books in a few weeks. Amen. 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 So, anyway, I want to stay with my, sub, my subject here today. Ignoring the word and the leading of the spirit clouds the believer's ability to discern spiritual things because we delude ourselves into thinking that our past experiences are still valid guidance for today. The past is, is not how God wants to guide you. It can encourage you when you remember the good things that God has done, but you need fresh manna for every day. You need fresh guidance for every day. Can you say amen to that, please? Amen. Worshiping God in the Spirit means being available for God's enterprises. Amen. Worshiping God in the Spirit means being available for God's enterprises. What is God saying? What is God doing? And listen, I'm just going to say this. What God is doing, he is doing in the local church. Boy, it's quiet in this here house here. Amen. What God is doing, he is doing in the local church. God is not doing one thing in the local church and doing something contrary to the local church outside of the local church. There are so many voices today. Think about how many voices there were in the New Testament age. And First John, he said, there's many voices in the world and none of them without signification. He said, this is how you can discern the voice of truth and the voice of deception. Very clear instructions First John wrote to the church. How many voices do we have today? You have how many social media platforms? A lot of them I've never even heard of. You know, Tumblr. I've never been on Tumblr. I'm, I, can, I can't even operate Instagram. I look at it a little bit and then get bored and frustrated and go back and look at a weather app or something, you know. <laughs> but how many voices are there in the world? How many, how many YouTube videos are out there? Millions and millions of them. And you can hear some show enough garbage if you... Amen! You, God has placed you here in the local church for your protection. Praise the Lord. Not because I'm somebody, because he's somebody. Right. Praise the Lord. There are many voices in the world. Worshiping God in the spirit means av being available for God's enterprises. What is God doing? And what God is doing, he is doing in the local church. Amen. I'm not saying that uh, 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 prophetic ministries or apostolic ministries are not valid. Unless... They're contrary to what God is doing in your local church. If you hear something on YouTube that is contrary to what you're being taught here, I would totally welcome that discussion. Totally welcome it. Amen. You don't have to hide from me. You know, if it's right, I want to validate, you know, your sense of righteousness in what you're hearing out there. But if you hear something that's questionable, why don't you, why don't you bring it to us? I don't have all the answers. But you know what? I know when somebody is lying to one of my sheep. Right. It is instinctual. Amen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. You can bring it to me. I'm not going to hurt you. Am I going to hurt them? I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to help you. Amen. 
Come bring it on Wednesday night and say, well, Pastor, I heard this on YouTube. I'm like, bring it. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Amen. Walking in the flesh. Let me say this again. Worshiping God in the spirit means being available for God's enterprises. Walking in the flesh means excusing carnal behavior. Let me say it again. Worshiping God in the spirit means being available for God's enterprises. Walking in the flesh means excusing carnal behavior. All of us get in the flesh from time to time. We're, come on, come on. Being selfish, right? <laughs> Husbands and wives, being, treating each other selfishly. Come on. I, I help my wife with the dishes. I'm pretty good at it, if I do say so myself. I'm pretty, I mean, I can stack them and put them in there, take them out. Glory. I don't always do it the way she wants me to, but I'm pretty good at it. Does that help a little bit when I do that? She's a really good cook. Now, I, I learned how to cook, but she has the concept. She knows how to make it look. So, friends, what I'm saying is that husbands and wives should be helping each other out. Not saying, well, that's your job. No, I, I did all this, so I don't have to help you. Right. Woo-wee. Do, do, do you know how much they help you? I mean, really, behind the scenes, how much they help you? So why would we throw up a fence and say, I'm not going to cross the fence. You stay on your side. I'll stay on mine. Husbands and wives, if you love each other, real love has a sacrificial element to it. We lay down our agenda. Boy, I'm meddling with people's business now, huh? We lay down our agenda for the one that we truly love. Is that what the master did for us? All right, then. It's, it, that's expected in a Christian marriage, that we lay down our agenda for one another. Women, if, if he, you know, Cindy sometimes lets me watch hunting shows. I tell you, that, that ministers to me when I can watch a whole hunting show without hearing groaning and grumbling and griping, right? And I learned to really like the cooking channel, huh? Diners, drive-ins, and dives, chopped, right? Iron Chef America, right? I enjoy all of that, right? But she is kind enough to let me watch some of my favorite hunting shows. She's going to get a pig man tattoo here soon, aren't you, Cindy? Right? No? Did I miss, I'm misquoting. Okay. Do not misquote the woman of God. In, okay. So I have to change my settings so my thing doesn't go to sleep here, right? As long as I remember my passcode, there it is. Worshiping God in the spirit means being available for God's enterprises. Walking in the flesh means excusing carnal behavior. Carnal behavior is, is usually has a root of selfishness. Can you say amen? Yeah. Can you say amen? Friends, let, let's allow the Spirit of God, when we worship in truth, when we worship every day, the Spirit of God will, will come in and start tinkering with some of our secret little chambers in our lives and in our hearts that we have locked him out of. The Spirit of God wants to come in and say, is that really, is that really how you want to treat this person? Hmm? Was that really the best way to speak to that person? Or is it possible that we could backtrack and say, you know what, 
I was, you know what? The way that I spoke to you was a, <laughs> it was a wrong attitude. And if I have a wrong attitude, I'm going to say the wrong thing. Can you say amen? Yeah. One thing that we do when we're uh, carnal behavior that we excuse is blaming. Say blaming. You know, I mean, if you look at the very first uh, episode of sin that you find in the Bible, uh, you know, I, I just don't think that the, the snake came in there, tricked the woman, and the man committed high treason. I just don't think that whole thing happened in about 15 seconds. You know, my, my, my studies seem to indicate that Adam had already migrated to a place of rebellion. And when Satan said, yea, have God said, right, that you shall surely die, you shall not surely die. Because God knows in the day that you eat that, that you're going to be, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God's. That's what Satan said, but it doesn't say how many times he said it. He was probably working on them for a while and Adam changed his thinking perhaps over time. Until he came to a place where he was in stark rebellion against God. Because if you read the story, when God approaches Adam, he says, Did you eat of the tree that I commanded you that you should not eat of it? And he says, Yes, I did eat. And in the original language, it is continuous. I will continue to eat it. That's not just a blunder. That is rebellion. I'm fixing to eat this whenever I want to, and you can't stop me. Blaming. What did he do next? He said, that woman that you gave me, that woman that you gave me, he's not taking responsibility. Gentlemen, <laughs> We got to take responsibility for what's going on in our household. And we have to find a way to put our emotions on the back burner when it doesn't agree for the best outcome of our household. There, <laughs> I know, it's hilarious. There's times, <laughs> I know, that's good preaching, huh? I'm glad I got some amens going on here. It's better than the frowns and the scowls, right? There are times when I know what's right, but I don't want to do what's right as the head of my household. Because there's an element of sacrifice in it. If you want to be like Jesus, do you want to be like Jesus or do you want to be like Adam? That's a decision that we, we men have to make. Women, you're in this, in this discussion as well. But sometimes I really have to address the men because... Amen. I mean, an angry man can <laughs> tear up a household in just a few minutes. Amen. Blaming men, even if she's 100% wrong, let's train ourselves. Hmm? Let's train, even if she's 100% wrong, let's train ourselves to look past her mistakes and get to the root of the solution. Amen. Blaming others rarely solves anything. And some of us have a default mechanism 
where we deflect blame instantly. It wasn't my fault. I didn't do it. Couldn't have been me. I am righteous. I am holy. Pure as the driven snow. Glory to God. Everybody worship me. No, I don't think so. It's If your wife seems to think that you could make some improvements in certain areas, there is at least the remotest possibility that she's right. You will not hear this preaching in no other church you go to today. <laughs> Right? I got what? How many men in here? Only like 300, right? And there's like 2,000 women? All right, guys were outnumbered as usual. But you can take it. You know I'm, I'm giving you this because I love you. And if you will just look at the blaming, look at the selfishness and say, can I improve here? <laughs> Ask your wife, could I improve in this area? <laughs> and then listen to what she has to say. Don't correct. Don't criticize. Don't say, yeah, but you, yeah, but it was your fault. You, uh, stop. Let her say everything she wants to say. Say amen, women. Amen. <laughs> Blaming. All right. The carnal religious mind seeks validation from religious sources. The renewed spiritual heart finds peace and rest in true worship. All right, I'm going to say it a few more times here, okay? The carnal religious mind seeks validation from religious sources. Say politics. There are religious politics. I'm going to use an example of an anonymous individual that knows that they are as wrong as the day is long, but they seek to go around and build a coalition and find others that they can get to agree with them so they can continue in this wrong pathway. Woo, it's quiet in this here jailhouse, isn't it? The carnal religious mind seeks validation from like-minded religious sources. I got to get you to agree with me so I'll feel right, even though in my heart I know I'm wrong. Do you remember how we, we talked about ignoring the word and the leading of the spirit clouds the believer's ability to discern spiritual things? This is some advanced teaching you're getting here today. Can you take it? Nobody? None of you? Crickets? Nobody? Nobody loves me? All right. I'm almost done. Can you hang on for a few more minutes? The carnal religious mind seeks validation from religious sources. The renewed spiritual heart finds peace and rest in true worship, even if nobody thinks you're okay. If the, and here's what happens in life. Most of the flack you get in life, if you decide to serve God, if you decide to be a true worshiper, the flack you will get is more than likely, say more than likely, going to be from those that you love and maybe admire. I'm seeing some heads nodding here. You will be questioned by loved ones. Are you sure this is the way you want to go? What makes you think this is the right way? Sometimes the criticism is even more destructive than that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
That church you go to is a cult. Your preacher is a fool. Uh, we know people that tried to live that way, and they all died. What makes you think you're going to make it? Notice it's usually not strangers that talk to you that way. It's people you're in relationship with, and the enemy knows that their words are, have a hook in them because it's somebody you love. And sometimes it's awful hard to get that hook out of your flesh. You want to answer back? You want to put them in their place? You want to get the last word? Say flesh. flesh. Right? Because they've hurt you. Right? Why, do hurt, why did they hurt you? Does anybody know? Hurt people hurt people. Right? Because they've been hurt. Maybe they've been disappointed. Maybe they've been disappointed by their religion. Maybe they've been disappointed by their church. Or what have you, and who knows. And so they're carrying that hurt, and they want to share that hurt with you because the law of seed, time, and harvest is at work here. They've, they've allowed seeds of hurt to take root in their life, and now they're producing more hurt. And that seed that comes out of their mouth is looking for good soil in your life. This is outstanding Bible teaching here today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, just got to teach on me a little bit here today. The carnal religious mind seeks validation from religious sources. Friend, once God has spoken to you and you know what God is saying, the greats of the faith say things like this. When God speaks to you, you got to get it done, right? Confer not with flesh and blood and get your job done at any cost. Jesus said, when, you're, you know, when you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about fulfilling the call and the destiny that is on our lives. And he said, you must count the cost of serving me. And he said, this is what it might cost you. He said, it might cost you your mom and dad, sister and brother. It might cost you your wife or husband. Listen to me, friend. Your marriage covenant does not supersede the new covenant in the blood of Jesus. I'm going to say this clearly so that nobody could possibly misunderstand me. If your husband or wife is pressuring you to leave your calling in the ministry, they are wrong. Yeah. And that's the wrong way. Right? Yeah. Amen. Cindy and I, we agreed before we got married. We agreed before we started holding hands. Come on back. That if, if you try to take me out of my calling, forget you. Amen. It's not happening. I'm going to serve God with you, say it, with you or without you. And if they won't go with you to serve God, what are you going to do? You got to make up your mind. Well, no, my, my, I have a marriage covenant. Huh. I'll say it again. I'm going to say it clearly, lovingly, tenderly, and biblically. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 29, you come to me, you have to count the cost. If you lose father or mother or sister or brother or land or houses or wife, and by extension that would mean children, uh, husband as well. It certainly is not a one-way street, ladies, is it? It's a two-way street, isn't it, girls? That's right. If your husband don't want to obey God, what you going to do? If your wife will not obey God, what are you going to do? You're going to walk in the spirit, that's what you're going to do. You're not going to allow a man or woman 
to take you out of the kingdom of God, to take you out of your ministry, to take you out of your calling. Say amen. Praise the Lord. Now listen, I believe God puts people together, but we got to get together over here on God's side. I'm not going to get together with you over here in the dark where you're disobeying, you're making excuses, right? You're seeking validation from religious sources. You're excusing carnal behavior. Praise the Lord. And you've lost your ability to discern spiritual things. The Word of God says that the lust of the flesh is deceitful. Do you know what that means? Lust is pressure. The Word of God says in uh, Romans chapter 8, it talks about the spirit lusteth against the flesh, and the flesh lusteth against the spirit. That word lust means pressure. Your spirit will put pressure on your flesh to obey God, and your flesh will put pressure on your spirit to go the wrong way. Mm -hmm. What you going to do? First Samuel sixteen seven. I dyslexified it there, didn't I? But the Lord said to Samuel, look not on his face or how big and strong he is because I have refused him. Samuel was the prophet and he's God is talking to Samuel about King Saul. Are you with me? Excuse me. He was talking about David's big brother. Excuse me. He was talking about David's big brother. When the prophet went to Jesse's house to anoint the next, the next king of Israel, they brought out all the sons from the biggest to the littlest, right? And the first one that he came to is a big, strapping, handsome-looking feller, right? His, his hair blowing in the breeze, you know, muscles rippling. And the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his face. I mean, he's a good-looking feller. And don't look at how big and strong he is because I have refused him. Why did the Lord reject him? Say, this ain't the one, bro. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For the Lord looks, excuse me, for man looks on the outward appearance. And friends, you have to be, this is why you must be led by the Spirit of God because the lust of the flesh is deceitful. There's things that you're going to see. There's things that you're going to hear. There's things that you're going to feel. There's situations in your life, medical, financial, relationship, situations that are going to put pressure on you to go the wrong way. And all evidence is going to say, you got to do this. You got to do it now. When Samuel looked at this good looking fella, I mean, he's like, man, this has got to be the one. I think if you look at the previous verse, uh, I think Samuel said something like that. Can you go back one? Yeah. Came to pass that when they were come, all these fellows came out, that he looked on Eliab, who was the firstborn, right? And Samuel said, surely this guy's the anointed one right here, boy. Look at this fella. Right? The lust of the flesh is deceitful. It looks right. It feels right. It smells right. It's got to be right, but it's wrong. Come on now. My job is to train you to walk in the Spirit. If you will spend some time in worship, if you're confused, if you're at the crossroads, if you're depressed, if you're sick, if you're broke, take some time. Take some significant time. Turn some junk off. Spend some time. Close, up, close yourself up. You got to do it. You got to find a way to do it. Close yourself off from everything. Close the door. Go somewhere. Take a walk. Do what you got to do. And just worship God. 
You don't have to have all the right words to say. Just say, Lord, I just worship you. I love you, Lord. You know my heart's hurting. You know I feel confused. But God, I'm just looking to you. He's going to look on your heart. Because like Michael taught us today in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, right in there. He says, God is looking for a willing-hearted giver. Uh, uh, I think it's also in the uh, Exodus chapter 35, verse uh, 5, verse 21, several times in that chapter. He says, let everyone give a willing-hearted offering. Why? Because God looks at the heart, not on the outward. Here it is, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't look on his countenance. Don't look at that face. Don't look at the situation. Don't yield to the pressure that the flesh is putting on you to disobey me. Because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not like man seeth. God doesn't look at things the way that we look at things. For we look on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. Here's the thing. If your heart is right toward God. You can make mistakes. And God will cover for you. I am living proof. I am living proof. Aren't you glad we don't have to get everything absolutely perfect? Who's happy about that? But if you have the right heart, hmm, you're just following the shepherd. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted. You're just following the shepherd. And this is one of the keys that I've been giving you the last few weeks. The easiest way to follow God is to wake up in the morning and just say, I love you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I don't know all the answers. I'm giving my life to you fresh and new today. Why don't you stand up with me? Praise the Lord. I'm worshiping you, Lord. I'm giving you my life fresh and new today, Lord. A fresh dedication, a fresh, a fresh consecration. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you. Let him hear your voice a little bit, hear you? I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Everybody in the house, come on. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. This is how you get the glory to fall in a church, is that everybody with one heart is worshiping God. I worship you, Lord. I don't care who knows it. I don't care who sees it. I worship you. You've been good to me. You saved me. You didn't let me go to hell. You've already healed me, even if the doctor doesn't agree. You've already made me wealthy, even if my checkbook doesn't agree. I bless your holy name. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I want everybody in the house to make a fresh dedication to the Lord. If, if somebody or something is trying to pull you out of your anointing, if somebody or something is trying to pull you out of your ministry, what you going to do? What you going to do? As for me and my house, if I'm the only one in the house, if it is a doghouse, if it is a tough shed, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I will serve the Lord. You know, that's Joshua 24, 15. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. When I was a little boy sitting in church, my feet wouldn't even touch the floor sitting in the pew. And I heard the Church of God in Christ preacher late on a Sunday night one time, way after dark. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. And you know, if there's somebody in your house that's not in agreement with you, 
God looks on your heart. Huh? God's not holding you responsible for somebody else's intentions. You can't control that any more than I can. But you make up your heart and your mind. Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to worship you. In the name of Jesus, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I worship you, Lord. As for me and the, and the, you know, the two square feet of ground I'm standing on, we're going to worship God. Amen. If that's all, that's all I can control, then I'm going to worship you with all my heart, with all my soul. I worship you, Lord. And Lord, I pray for that one today. I pray for that one today that is pulling me the wrong way. In the name of Jesus, God, that you would have mercy on them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And I just rebuke you, devil. You're not going to have any of my sheep in the name of Jesus. You're not going to pull my sheep into, into the wilderness. No, you're not, devil. You're a liar. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Stay close to what God is doing. And what God is doing, he is doing in the local church. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I worship you.